The scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of, of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that it that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer, night and day. At that moment, she came and began her praise and began to praise God to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Israel. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town, Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. So this is an interesting story we have here in Luke. Two on the heels of uh, the Christmas story. Mary and Joseph dutifully take their, their baby probably within the first month or so. And they pack up the baby and they come from uh, Nazareth or Bethlehem, whichever part of the story you're in. And uh, they pack up and they head south to Jerusalem. And they are going to dutifully present the firstborn child to God, as is the custom of the Hebrew people. And if you have money, you buy a ram, and you, uh, you throw that ram, in, you give the priest the ram, and he goes into the temple, and the priests are going to eat good that night, right? Because uh, basically they eat that sacrifice after they burn, after they burn part of it for the, for the, uh, the offering. But, uh, of course... Jesus, I mean, uh, uh, Joseph and Mary are not wealthy. They come from poverty. They come from the poor. And so they can afford to buy a couple of turtle doves. And they may have had to borrow the money to do that, probably from Mary's dad, <laughs> uh, to go and uh, purchase these small doves to offer as a sacrifice. And so they, they had done all that, and they're on their way to see the priest and they're absconded 
attacked, if you will, by Simeon who comes and grabs it. Now moms, imagine this. This Simeon fellow who's quite elderly and running, you know, talking crazy, <laughs> you know, uh, grabs your baby and starts babbling about uh, how wonderful this baby is and now I can die that I've seen this baby. Uh, I imagine you moms would be freaking out a little bit, right? <laughs> and Joseph was probably getting all dad-like, right, and going to jump in there. But Simeon says some, some incredible things. And in fact, this story mirrors the story earlier in Luke uh, about John's birth and the miraculous birth of John the Baptist. Uh, in the same way that Zechariah brought out the meaning of John's birth in Luke, uh, Simeon now reveals to us the meaning of of Jesus' birth. First, he declares it to God and he honors God by saying, this child is a revelation to the Gentiles and a glory to Israel. Why was Jesus born? To be a revelation to the Gentiles and to bring glory to God's people. Amen? That's the significance. And now Simeon can... uh, can pass on he's he's done it all he's he's done all he needs to do kind of i can't help as i was reading this think about jim uh who uh who let his spirit go after having taken care of his wife up into the end even planning out the service having seen his lovely children and grandchildren and whole family gather around him having come to Christmas Eve service and, and uh, gotten in touch with the Holy Spirit in, the, in his community, uh, I can't help but think that Jim said to himself, what's left, really? I'm going to go home now. I can go. And uh, uh, Father, you have released your servant uh, and let him go. Uh, I imagine it... I couldn't help but think about Jim as I was reading this story of Simeon feeling as though he had done it all. He had taken care of everything. He had proclaimed this. And then Simeon turns to Mary and Joseph and he blesses them too. He says, you've got, well he says to Mary, you've got troubles ahead. Uh, This child will fall and rise. You know, in, in our parlance, in our world, people don't fall and rise. They rise and fall. We have the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, the rise and fall of the Third Reich, uh, the rise and fall of Enron, right? The rise and fall of uh, e- almost every politician, <laughs> right? People rise and fall. Not so with Jesus. Jesus falls and rises we get we get we'll talk about that around easter time but that's basically what we're talking about here is jesus falls and rises to glory amen and uh simeon is speaking to mary about the struggles that she will have ahead and in fact her own heart will be pierced as she watches her son die and yet jesus is as simeon says a revelation to the gentiles and a glory to god's people israel amen and then uh, then comes up the the next crazy woman 
uh, Anna, who's running around, who lives at the, t- at the temple looking for things to scream about. And she, comes, she sees Jesus and she starts declaring to everybody who will listen, this is, give glory to God. This is the Messiah. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is it right here. Take a look. And you can imagine again, Mary and Joseph are just trying to get their business done and move on. And here comes these screaming people. And here's Anna screaming to everybody, Behold, Jesus the Messiah. And so we have here again the declaration to the whole world about the significance and the meaning of Jesus' birth. And what what that brings to the world. And again, Simeon said it best, a revelation to the Gentiles. God is being revealed not just to the Hebrew people, not just to uh, a select few, but to the entire world. Amen? God is revealing God's self through a baby. Through a person. Jesus Christ. Other traditions uh, rely on books for the revelation of God. For we as Christians, our revelation is a person. Jesus Christ. I know sometimes we think it's about the book. right? Sometimes we think it's about that this is God's revelation. But in truth, what Jesus is, is our revelation from God. A person. Jesus Christ. Whom we wrote about (laughs) in the book. But uh, and uh, revelation to the entire world and glory to God's people, bringing glory to God's people. That is being faithful to who God is and what God has called Jesus to be, right up to the end. Amen. Bringing glory to God's people. You know, I um not many of you know this maybe or maybe a lot of you do i don't know but i i really first decided to go into pastoral ministry when i was about 16 17 years old i used to do we at clearfield community church where i grew up going uh we used to do youth sundays once a year like we do here and they let me do the sermons all the time and the reason I liked doing the sermons is from about age 14 I was doing the sermons. The reason I liked doing the sermons was because I'm a bit of a ham. And uh, I liked being up front. And uh, I liked thinking that people were listening to what I had to say. <laughs> right? I thought it was, and, and I would do a sermon. Uh, and I got to tell you, I, you know, I have a couple of sermons uh, in a scrapbook somewhere. They were pretty bad. They were really bad. But everyone loved them, right? Because anytime one of our kids are up doing something, everyone's like, oh. <laughs> but they were pretty bad. They were pretty trite. They were pretty pretentious and all of that. Well, about when I was about 16, we had a youth leader who was, uh, who, Ron Oland was his name, and he was, a, he was an F-16 pilot, <laughs> which is kind of cool. Uh, but he pulled me aside. He says, if you're going to do this, you need to do it right. And he, we picked a text and we exegeted that text in, in preacher talk. That means we studied the text and we got all the background and, and we did a lot of, and we, we mold front, we pulled out of that. What message does God have? Not what I want to say, but what does God want to say to us as a congregation? 
And uh, I remember standing up there and just the, the, hum- the, the incredible, um, it was a different feeling than I'd ever felt of humility as I shared what, what I felt God saying to us together. And, uh, and what was amazing about that particular Sunday was the different kind of feedback that I received from the congregation that day. And it was one of, I heard, you know, I, I heard the voice of God, the Holy Spirit really spoke to me today. Uh, you know, it wasn't about how great Curtis was, which I love, but it wasn't about that, right? <laughs> it was about how powerful the Spirit was moving that day. And I left there feeling humble, feeling like this was something bigger than myself, and feeling like I would love to spend the rest of my life doing this. This is an amazing, uh, grace-filled experience. But here's the thing. Here's what I'm getting at with this. Is that as I went through the years, and there, you know, there were, I took a hiatus from that idea for a while when I didn't think I could get through college, but all along the way, there were people who came to me and affirmed this sense of calling. That is to say, people affirmed the Spirit seemed to be moving me in that way, right? Like people would say, I, I really think you ought to pursue, I could see you as a pastor, I could see you as a preacher, I could see you doing this kind of thing. Uh, here's what I, if people hadn't done that, if I did not have a community that saw the gifts uh, of, of pastoral ministry in me, I really shouldn't go into that business, right? Uh, quite frankly, if everyone was, was kind of like, uh, you sure you want to do that? <laughs> right? If everyone was a little hesitant, but I was like, oh yeah, I feel the calling and, and you know, I want to get out there and do it. If I hadn't been affirmed, and, if, and especially if I hadn't been affirmed by some key people, some people whose spiritual discernment I respected, uh, one, uh, one in particular, Ralph Bunting, who was an interim pastor at Ogden, if he, had not, if he had not almost insisted that I go into the ministry, I never, I never would have done it, and I never should have done it. Believe me, I know colleagues who fought against their congregations and their better angels who begged them not to go into the ministry and they did it anyway and it was a disaster Uh, but if i had not been affirmed in that if i had not heard someone add meaning to my calling through what they had to say god help me if i'd ever done that and i i'm telling that story to say this that god has within each and every one of us, you, me, every single person here, there is meaning to your life. There is significant meaning to your life. And it's not meaning, you know, what was interesting about this story is that 
is that God revealed to Mary and Joseph the significance of Jesus' birth before He ever actually went into the temple, undermined that whole thing. This was not about the rituals and all of this stuff. This was about a revelation that came solely from God, and it was about what God was going to do through that child. Now, a lot of us don't have a Simeon to tell us But let me be that Simeon today. When you were born into this world, God says, I have something significant for this life to do in the kingdom of God. And I beg you, I beg you, seek it out and do it. Now, for some of us, it's a profession. My, my, you know, my sense of calling led me to a profession. You know, I'm, I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I love my job. I have the best. I cannot, there is nothing else in the world I could ever see myself doing except maybe being Bon Jovi and, you know, being a rock star. I, but short of that, I could never, See, I could not see myself doing anything else. And, and I love my job. Uh, but even if it weren't my job, even if I was like a greeter at Walmart, I would still feel this pull to, do the, to, to, to be God's mouthpiece somehow, to, to tap into God's vision for God's people and share it somehow, because that's my calling. Some of you have a calling that leads to a profession. Some of you have a profession that allows you to do your calling. I don't care which it is. But you all have a meaningful life in the kingdom of God. And we are commanded by Christ to seek first that kingdom. And all that other crap will be... I'm paraphrasing. All that other other stuff will be added unto you. But what God needs us to do is to take up that calling. Is to do our job. If we do not see the kingdom of God in the world around us, it is because we as God's people, we for whom Jesus has been a revelation, we for whom Jesus has been the glory of God's people, we have not answered the call. Amen? Because we have not sought it out and committed ourselves to it. And here's how you know when you've hit it. I'm giving you some tips. One is other people will affirm it in you. That, you know, that, what you do there, that's, and that's great. That's an amazing thing you do there. And I really see God using you in this, in this capacity, whatever that is, Right? Sometimes it's behind-the-scenes things like washing dishes. Sometimes it's upfront things like singing or whatever. But when people start to feel the Holy Spirit working through you, they will tell you, praise God, and you will, you will know you've nailed it somehow. Here's the other thing. It, it will be joy. Uh, I know Pastor Curtis comes and asks you to do stuff all the time in the church this this ministry takes a lot of hands and i will ask you to do stuff sometimes you like it sometimes you don't and here's the here's the thing that gets me in trouble dennis is going to kill me 
But uh, if you don't like it, if you hate it, if I ask you to do something and it's drudgery, stop doing it. I don't want you to do something that's drudgery. Please don't. It makes you miserable. And when you're miserable, I'm miserable. <laughs> uh, do something that brings you joy. Try different things. Go ahead. Try. I'll let you try your hand at almost anything. Almost. <laughs> But try, you know, go ahead and try stuff. But if, it, if you're sensing that it is not for you, get out of that business because there's something else God has for you to do. Here's another thing is it changes over time. Sometimes you're equipped and you're gifted and you're, you're called to do this thing. And maybe that goes for a while. But then maybe it's time to move on to something else. When this stops being effective... Right, I knew I knew it was time to come to Salt Lake City, or rather, it was time to leave the church I was at. Which I loved my church in Seattle. We had a great relationship, but I was feeling so stale. I was feeling like I just I didn't have anything else to give them. I just wasn't what they needed anymore, and I was bored. And I was I was just feeling like mm, I'm just I'm not I'm not feeling it anymore i'm not feeling like i need to be here and then i got called here and man i'm just full of excitement now (laughs) sometimes it's time to move on to the next thing but my real purpose this morning my real message i want to say is that god needs you to answer that call whatever that is and and god's trying to tell you what it is and as where I can help, I'm happy to help. But it begins with prayer and it begins with saying, you know, who will I send? Send me. It begins saying, I am here for you to use, God. Show me what you want me to do. It begins with those earnest prayers and that sense of commitment. And then trying stuff out, getting your feet wet and getting in there. But the kingdom of God if God's people take up this sense of calling the way Jesus took up that prophetic sense of calling that came from Simeon and was faithful to that, if God's people would do this, if we all would do this, oh, the kingdom of God would be so present in the world. Amen? Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we know You call us to Your service. We know that we have been wonderfully made by You. And we know that You did not... that no one is dispensable, but that each of our lives has meaning in the Kingdom of God. May we embrace that calling, that sense of meaning, that purpose that You have called us to. Help us to find it Help us to live it out. Help us to seek the kingdom of God. And by doing so, the kingdom of God will be known in this world. In the name of Christ we pray. Amen.